Monday, June 19th, 2023. All roads lead to the Water Club, 500 East 30th Street, New York, New York, for the New York Association of Black Journalists second annual Juneteenth Gala and Awards Ceremony. This year's gala will be hosted by CBS News anchor and national correspondent Michelle Miller and today's show co-host and news anchor Craig Melvin. Come out and celebrate, enjoy, and support the NYABJ on this prestigious evening. Tickets are on sale now at nyabj.org. That's Monday, June 19th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Water Club. Tickets on sale now at nyabj.org. This is The Sidebar, a podcast by the New York Association of Black Journalists. In this episode, we look at what happens behind the scenes of our favorite daytime talk shows from the perspective of the executive producers who make the wheels turn. They share their insights on what their typical day is like, what skill sets are important to the job, and some words of advice for those aspiring to be executive producers in the future. Welcome everyone to NYABJ's daytime talk show bosses panel. My name is Benita Sostre. I'm the president of NYABJ. And as many of us have been working from home and working hybrid, um, we've been watching a lot more daytime TV from the Jennifer Hudson show, Sherry and Tamron Hall. We've laughed, we've cried, and we've gotten our good vibrations. So uh, today we're talking to the masterminds behind the shows. Um, the ones that um, on a day-to-day basis are um, making the wheels run. So we're going to be talking to Shani Black, co-executive producer of The Jennifer Hudson Show, John Murray, executive producer of Sherry, Kiana Burns, the executive producer and showrunner of Tamron, so, um, of Tamron Hall. So let's get this party started. John, I'm going to let you go first and introduce yourself, and then everyone else can go from there. Um, I'm John Murray. I am uh, the executive producer of The Sherry Show, and um, I'm also a TV host. Uh, and pop culture aficionado in my own right. So I have the duality of working behind the scenes, actively working behind the scenes, because this is not a vanity credit, and uh, also being a personality in my own right. So it's it's really great to have the best of both worlds, and it's great to be here today for this conversation. Yeah, and I want to go next. Yeah, uh, executive producer and showrunner Tamron Hall, uh, and I'm from the Midwest, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm a journalist uh, by background and excited for this conversation. I'm Shawnee Black. I'm co-executive producer of The Jennifer Hudson Show. I have no desire to be in front of the camera <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I like to say way in the back. Um, But talk shows are what I love. I love learning about people and hearing their stories and finding out what makes them, you know, who they are. Love it. So, John, uh, Sherry took over the time slot that was once held by Wendy Williams. Um, What has that been like, stepping into those big, um, you know, the big shoes? Well, you know, it, it was a lot of weird language about the launch of our show because it literally was a brand new show launch. So the only connection that we really have to the predecessor's show is that we inherited a small group of her time slots because that show was only in 69% of the country when we launched our show. And now we're in 98.5% of the country. So we inherited some of her slots, but we've really grown the show to a more broader audience and a stronger affiliate base. Uh, and it's been great. Um, we did also bring on the existing staff. Um, one of the things I like to tell people is that it was a very historic time in television because you had three new shows hosted by three black hosts and um, all three shows had a quick turnaround. It was like a three-month turnaround with all shows. And all of them kind of inherited at least a portion of these pre-existing staffs from these other franchise shows that were ending. Um, that would be us, Shani and the team over at Jennifer, and then Karamo uh, and his show with the Mori team. And so it was a very historic time to be launching a brand new show. Um, you know, uh, because of the controversy and how... The, the 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 lady who occupied our former time slots and that scenario ended there was a whole lot of tabloid fodder and stuff but we just you know focused on the work and we worked on creating a show that was unapologetically sherry that leans into the joy uh and the humor and the lightness that many of us love about daytime and 
what we've been finding out, and every time we have a, a, a team meeting or a staff meeting, our digital team likes to read emails from people who sent us hate mail because of the gossip pages in the spring, and they're sending us fan mail now apologizing for some of their awful remarks before we launched. And so, you know, the ratings are strong, daytime I think is growing, and we're doing good work. So I'm excited to be in this space because it's a space that I have loved since I was a teenager. Uh, and Sherry is the only person that I would have taken on the dual hat of being both talent and an executive producer for, because it is no easy task. I can't, yeah, it's huge. Your show is so good. I was watching like it this morning and that was, yes, I'm so happy that I'm gonna have you on to like to talk about the show. Thank um, you. So thank you for joining us. Kiana, your award-winning show has been around longer than the other shows. Um, how do you choose your segments and decide um, what your audience will like? Yeah, season four, um, excited about that. Uh, it's a cross between entertainment and news. It's infotainment. And so we have celebrities, but we also have human interest stories. And so our celebrities, they go deeper um, on our show because Tamron's interview skills are like no other. Um, and she really uses her journalistic background um, to get those stories out of them. So they get personal um, when they come on uh, Tamron Hall. And so we look at stories that are in the news headlines, entertainment stories, we do cooking segments. Um, so it's it really is a mix. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about great stories. Um, so um, everything from the Walmart employee who 82 years old, um, she went viral um, on TikTok and uh, they were able to raise $136,000 for her um, after that video went viral. Um, and we had her and the woman who took the video we had them on the show today, um, but we also, you know, um, have interviewed people like Michelle Obama um, uh, on the road and Usher. Um, so it really is um, a good, healthy mix, uh, but it runs a wide spectrum. It definitely does. It sure is. Uh, so Shawnee, many people think of Jennifer Hudson as a singer, as an actress. Um, so what's it been like working with her as she's transitioned into a host? I think as a host, it's been exciting to see her step into this space. Of course, she is an EGOT, but she also succeeds at whatever she puts her, her mind to. She always says, you know, I will always try. And I feel like she has really tried and she's succeeded. We've been, you know, uh, renewed for a second season, which is amazing. So, and which is, is great. And then also we, you know, had a, had a People's Choice nomination and NAACP, and this is her first season. And even her NAACP award is for Outstanding Host. So I think that kind of is a, is a uh, you know, an accomplishment in this space with someone who is just kind of starting as a, as a host, but also she doesn't have to do this. She wants to do it. She wants to connect with people. This is who Jennifer is. And now we get to see that side of her. Absolutely. She was with Lala this morning. I was like, yes. And they were talking about their sons and I felt it. I was like, I don't have kids. But I, like the connection is there for sure. Um, so John, like you mentioned, you're not just the EP, you're talent as well. Can you run us through what your typical day is like? Um, oh, so typical day. <laughs> there's no typical day in daytime. No, um, but uh, working on this show has probably been uh, as close to a nine to five as I've had in a long time. Um, you know, I was somebody who was working for various entities, hosting cable specials and uh, doing emceeing work on the road and all types of things prior to this. Um, um, but in the capacity of Sherry, uh, my alarm clock goes off at 5.45 in the morning, which is, I mean, there are times prior to this that I was going to bed at 5.45 in the morning because I was a night owl. I'm not a morning person. My team knows that my inviting personality, as Gerald King likes to say, does not show up until closer to showtime. So we're live out of New York City at 10 a.m. Our first meeting is at 8 a.m. Um, and so, you know, we, we have our first meeting to prepare the show with Sherry at 8 a.m., there's some things that go on between uh, 8.30 and about uh, 9.45 when we're gearing up. Uh, around that time, Sherry and I usually have a, our last moment together um, behind the door that she walks out of, where we not only pray that it's going to be a great day on the show, but we always pray for the audience that they're better than when they came. Uh, and, you know, we have our moment. She gets in position. 
I get in position and we start the show. There's something about live TV and that energy that just makes it amazing. Uh, and even when there are imperfections, there's an old Clive Davis quote where he's talking about the music industry, where he said some of the greatest moments in music come from imperfection. And I feel the same way about television. So there was this one day I was helping her up on, because people don't realize that Sherry's like really short. She's like five foot four or five or something like that. So I helped her up on this podium where her home base is set and her shoe came off one day and it, it was a whole thing. And and so we lean into the imperfections because, you know, as a comic, or, or as I like to call her, the real life Black version of I Love Lucy, all those things add to the appeal and the attraction. And so we have, um, you know, on Fridays, our show is on tape. And so on, on Thursdays, we have a two show day. And that just, uh, you know, that's a different kind of energy because you're pushing through. So if, prior to us going live in this conversation today, you wish us a happy Thursday. Technically, this is my Thursday. Uh, and tomorrow will feel like a Friday for me because after those two shows, I'll be so exhausted that, you know, I'm like TGIF, everybody. Uh, but that's a glimpse into what my what my day is. And I'm sure uh, my counterparts here have very similar rigorous type schedules as it pertains to putting those shows up on the air. I can imagine um, that that's very early, 545. Yeah very, very early. Um, Kiana, you previously worked at ABC News as the executive broadcast producer of Weekend GMA. You led a lot of heavy news coverage. Um, how do you think your news background has helped in running uh, your show now? That's a good question because I want everybody to hear the answer. You can be a journalist and work in daytime. I think a lot of people thought that you couldn't do that. Um, because at the end of the day, it's really about good storytelling. And that's what journalists do, tell stories and they tell it, tell them well. So that's what it is about at the end of the day. And so, you know, for instance, we did a show called Help Us Now, and we talked about the latest with Brittany Griner um, and the protests happening in Iran uh, for women's rights. And so we were able to get reporters, you know, from the region, we were able to get, um, Brittany's, you know, uh, friend, um, and basketball coach, um, on the show and, uh, really tell a compelling hour long, um, story with a through thread with all of those stories. Um, and it hadn't been done in daytime before. Um, and so we're really pushing the boundaries, um, on what infotainment is. Um, and so as you know, um, ABC news, um, is our home. Um, so even though we're a syndicated show, um, we are run by ABC news. Um, and so, uh, we have the resources of ABC News and, uh, you know, whether it's video reporters, um, you know, and and now producers. Um, so I think it helps tremendously because, um, you know, it is such a fast pace, as John was saying, you know, our days are jam-packed and you have to go, 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 go. And anybody who's worked in news <laughs> knows that that is, you know, that's how it goes. And so um, I think it really does um, help in um, learning how to deal with the pace of, of daytime, but also um, knowing how to search for those stories um, and, and being able to tell those stories in a compelling way. I completely agree with you. Um, so Let's see here. Shawnee, you've played so many roles yourself. You've, you've been, um, you were a supervising producer on Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, how has that gotten you ready for your current position? Red Table Talk, I will say I was a, a fan and a viewer before I went on to work on the show. And one of the things that I think about whenever I join a show is what do I want to learn from this production in particular, the people, um, how, how we produce the show overall. And what I learned from Red Table Talk is it's a digital show. It's not only a digital show, but it is a, it was, it is a show with three black women who are hosts. They are from three different generations and we're appealing to those various generations. They all have their own opinions. Every opinion is the right opinion. There is no wrong opinion per se. And then we're bringing on guests and we're bringing on celebrities. And that's kind of what I think you have to um, think about with daytime as well. Yes, it's daytime television, but how are we reaching the digital audience with our content? Uh, where can everyone see the content? 
Um, we have people in our audience. We've done shows with, um, with you know, kind of impromptu guests, you, you know, so to speak, where it's like we find out in the middle of a show, we have a 98-year-old woman who is here for her birthday, 103. Like we get these moments and we take those moments because those are the people watching the show. So you have older adults, you have people our age, you have people my daughter's age, you know, and, and Red Table Talk taught me how to appeal to all of those audiences using any kind of outlet possible. So when I'm, we're producing shows, it is who, is, who is this for? It's for everybody. So you can see it anytime. So that's what, what I kind of learned from them that I carry on to this show. That's amazing. Um, so John, congratulations. I know Sherry's been picked up for uh, two seasons, right? It's like, yeah, two seasons. We're really proud of that. Yeah. Um, so how do you guys go about like choosing what you guys, what segments, who you bring on to talk to, all that stuff? Oh, uh, we, we took an old um, saying from the legendary radio host, Tom Joyner, when we were really shaping out the content of this show. So we call it a party with a purpose. Like we are a celebrity leaning show. Uh, you know, when we start the show, Sherry's a comic, like that's, that's her foundation. So we take a hilarious take on the headlines. You know, we pull from the, with the late night, the men of late night, the comics of late night do. And we are often offering that in Sherry's signature storytelling, but we have our couch guests. But one of the areas that really has been important to Sherry is we have a, a, a wide variety of experts on the show. And so uh, one of the things, the research, and everybody in daytime will tell you they like to research everything. The research says that our viewers are really interested in the things that Sherry's interested in. And so if there's a story in the headline, if there's an issue impacting America, we try to find uh, uh, experts that really speak to that. So I mean, two of our favorite experts that we have on uh, are, one is a mental health therapist named Jay Barnett, and he's come on and really helped us deal with that component um, because the truth of the matter is we've been seeing some very uh, prominent people in entertainment uh, die by suicide and struggle with their mental health. And Jay is somebody who is able to have this serious conversation on mental health in a way that's palatable and light. And it doesn't, listen, you don't think you're watching the doctors and you don't want to turn the channel if that's not your thing, you know? And then there's another expert we have named Jen Hatmaker, who has this wonderful story about having uh, built a, an enormous audience in the, e the white evangelical world. Um, but when her daughter uh, identified as gay, they asked her to turn on her daughter and speak against her. And then her marriage, which had been a, uh, a focal point of her uh, million, multi-million selling New York Times bestselling books imploded. And so everything that was her foundation uh, just went away. And so she decided to reinvent herself and find a new way to live her best life. And, and so we, we try to bring in those type of people and mix them with like, we have a thing called the Laugh Lounge, which listen, everybody in daytime borrows a little something from everybody else. So Sherry spent you know, uh, seven and a half years on The View, and they had a thing called Joy's Comedy Corner. So this was us remixing a signature segment that played to her interests and things that she likes. And so we just want this show to be unapologetically Sherry. We find that if it's organic and it's interesting to her, and, you know, uh, uh, I think uh, for our Friday show this week, we have a gentleman coming on doing Hip Hop Fit. And this is Sherry's second time working out with him. And the last time she was working out with him, her wig almost popped off. So anything that brings those uh, curiosity elements out of her, those I love Lucy elements out of her, though allows her just to be her humorous, unapologetic self, we know that the audience at home is watching. And one of the things that we love about our show is the research has also been showing that we've been maining, um like uh, retention throughout the entire episodes, which is something some shows struggle with. Um, you know, there have been other shows on TV that they describe the producing meta, uh, method as a funnel, that people put so much into the top end of the show that by the time you get to the end of the show, it's just a whole bunch of flash commercial breaks because people aren't tuning in. And we love that we've been able to offer people a full hour of substance and entertainment so they stick around and wait for us to sign off at the end. That's amazing. And how big is your producing staff? How many producers work with you typically to get the show on? We have a team of about 100 people on our staff and our creative team is, is, is it's a boutique sized team. We've got about 25 people on our creative team. And uh, but they're the little engine that could. They really are a force in bringing the show and helping us to get the show on TV live most days throughout the week. And I think that's really important to say. I know a lot of people don't realize how many producers and how many people are behind all the faces you see on TV. So I just want to bring that up. Uh, Kiana, 
this isn't your first time working with Tamron Hall. You were her EP when she was at MSNBC. Um, can you share why, um, what it was like, number one, reconnecting with her, and also why it's so important to like keep those relationships and the people that you've connected with before your current job, you know, in the past? Yeah, no, it's been great uh, to be together again. Um, Tamron is so uh, brilliant, but also really funny. I don't think a lot of people know that, um, that she is. She's like the friend that you want to hang out with, you know, for brunch on Saturday, you know, for the next four hours. <laughs> um, and so it's been good because um, she really does um, press me to be, my best because we believe in black excellence. Um, and so from, you know, uh, everything that I've learned from her about daytime, um, to just, you know, the personal life, I think, uh, my parents like her probably more than they like me. Um, we are, you know, when we went to, um, Essence Fest, uh, this past summer, you know, my parents came along and we were, um, when we say Tam fam, um, it really is like family. And so it's been good uh, to, to be back uh, together. And, you know, I, I'm proud to have two Black women as executive producers on, on the Tamron Hall show, um, because she's also executive producer. Um, and to your other question, I tell people all the time um, when I talk to them, we were just talking about this before this got started. Uh, John was saying, you know, we know so many people in common. This business is big, but it's small. Mm -hmm. And so when you come across people, I don't care if it's an intern or if it's a senior vice president, treat everybody the same way because I guarantee that you are going to run across the same people at some point. Somebody knows somebody. <laughs> and, you know, you want to be the person that people remember treated them well. And you want to be the person that they can say, taught me something um, and, and really made a difference. Because I think too many times people think, oh, well, you know, they're just an intern or, oh, they worked in this market and I'm done. I'll never see them again. It's, I'm telling you, you will come across the same people over and over and over again. So how do people stand out? Um, you have to be, um, don't be a bugaboo, but, <laughs> but you have to be um, consistent because we are so busy. Sometimes we don't get to reply to those emails or, um, or a phone call, but by the fifth time, I am going to respond, um, you know, on LinkedIn or an email, um, I will respond. Um, and, you know, so many times people are like, here's my card, here's my number. And then, um, and they never follow up. You have to follow up. Um, because if you don't, you will get lost in the shuffle. And the people that stand out are the people that every once in a while, hey, I just want to let you know what I've been working on, or hey, I think I have this really great guest idea, um, you know, really taking that initiative. Um, Carla Harris, um, a really great motivational speaker, she, um, she makes that point too. You have to have the follow-up. So many times we go to these NABJ conventions, we go to, you know, book parties, you know, album release parties, and, you know, and it's all, oh, nice to meet you, great, 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 and then no one ever follows up. The follow-up is crucial, and you will, it will take you far. I just think about my um, career journey, and every single time I got a call from somebody that I had always kept in touch with. And at some point they're like, oh, Kiana would be good for this. And they give me a call. My uh, landlord <laughs> is someone who recruited me for an internship with ABC News in college. <laughs> um, and she was the one who told me about a job um, uh, that was open in Washington, D.C., and that's what got me back into ABC News. Um, I was working in local news um, in Miami. And, you know, I, I reached out to her and I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about um, going back to the network. And she said, oh, there's an opening at the Washington Bureau. 
And that's how that happened. And then a college friend uh, told me about her mentor who was working in ABC Talent Development. And she's the one who uh, brought me to New York after I met Robin Roberts. So it's it's just, you know, um, people don't want to feel used. <laughs> so, you know, if you consistently keep in touch with people, you're building a relationship and building a rapport and you're not just calling them when you want something mm -hmm. or emailing them when you want something. So it is extremely important. That was a long way of saying it's extremely important to make lasting connections. Um, uh, Kiana, that was really good. And Benita, if you don't mind, I just want to add on to that because Kiana said, I mean, there were so many nuggets there. Um, to her point about effective networking and also treating people good at every level, um, I went to Barbara Walters' retirement dinner. And long story short, she basically told the story about how Bob Iger, who is now the CEO of Walt Disney, was once an intern at Walt Disney. And there was an incident where she could have maybe not been nice to him, but she was nice to him and she was glad that she was because ultimately his first order of business when he got promoted could have been pushing her into retirement and he didn't, you know? And so you could, listen, treat those interns good because they go on to run networks. The other thing about relationship, um, a lot of people know, some people don't. Sherry Shepard and I happen to be best friends in real life, um, but we also had a professional relationship. And so one of the things that I was doing as a media personality was record companies and Hollywood stars would uh, hire me to coach their talent on how to do interviews. And what was uh, media coaching or in the music industry called artist development was really an aspect of producing. And so there was a, I had a whole roster of stars that wouldn't go on a talk show or do an interview without doing a session with me so that I could help shape their questions and their answers and their approaches so that they wouldn't get in trouble. Then some of them would also call me when they got in trouble to clean it up. But it was that uh, connection that Sherry and I had professionally. Uh, and so I was helping her when she was at The View. I would help her when she was on her promo runs. So when she first got called to fill in for Wendy Williams in 2019, she said, could you come in and produce the shows for me? I know they have their own team, but I need you because nobody gets me like you get me. And so I went in and really shaped those two shows. And, and what people don't know is Sherry was offered a deal by this same company that our show is syndicated with now, but the elements didn't come together at the time. But then uh, in 2021, when she was asked to come in and fill in again, she was like, listen, I'm going in for a week. I can't do this without you. I went in and I did it again. And it was after that week, Sherry sat down and said, listen, you've had your hands in every aspect of the show. You've written the entire top of show for me. You helped me curate both my couch guests and my experts. She was like, you get me like nobody else. Somebody's going to make me an offer for a talk show after I do this showcase on Wendy's show. I don't know if it's this company or one of the others, but I won't do this unless you can do it. What would that look like? Uh, I need you to take some time to think about it and pray about it. And let's see if we can figure this out. And I came back to her and told her what I would need. And Sherry said, cool, I don't have a contract until you have a contract. And Sherry would not look at her deal. She would not sign her deal until my deal was done. And let me tell you, anybody who knows about TV negotiations, there's elements where sometimes they get real tense and you think everybody, and Sherry's whole thing was, listen, I got other offers. And so if you're not going to get what you need for you to walk away from all the things that you're doing and go on this journey with me, I'm not doing this. I'll go take a sitcom. And so that was relationship. And that was us working in lockstep, you know, and then to, as an added value scenario, because we were inheriting an existing team and there were no black women in senior production at this show as a contract line item. Sherry Shepard had that they must hire a Black female co-EP to join this team as well. Because whereas she and I had good chemistry and I understood her voice, she also needed a Black woman with a seat at the table who understood an element of her that I will never understand. And so it, that relationship and, and her desires to make sure that diversity and inclusion was in senior capacities at this show is the only reason that I'm here in this element. And so it's so important to, uh, to, to, to piggyback on what Kiana said, but also acknowledge the fact that all three of us can tell you, we, we know colleagues and people who will tell you, many of them have left daytime, many of them have left producing in this space because most people in this space don't look like us and they hire their friends. And so it's hard to grow in this space 
when people won't take a chance on you because you're not in their social circles. So it's so remarkable to, to sit here with both Shani and Kiana and have this dialogue because all of our journeys to this space are different and unconventional. But the truth of the matter is there was a time where we did not occupy these type of seats in this space. Thank you for sharing that. That's huge. And it's so important for people to know because a lot of times people don't understand how hard it is to be a black professional within this space because it is friends of friends who usually get hired and, and it's hard sometimes just to get your foot in the door. Um, I know we're going to kind of get to that question a little sooner of some advice for people on that track, but um, Shani, I want to jump back to you because I love the mugs, all the mugs that um, people sit in Jennifer Hudson. How did that come about? That's everyone's like favorite part. So yeah, how did that come about? How did mugs become I think, a thing? I think that goes to what John was saying about knowing your your guest. I mean, knowing your, knowing your talent, your host. Like, what do you do in your daily life? And I remember we were talking about, we were at the beginning of the season, you know, just pre-production and what is the show and who is Jennifer and what do we, you know, what do we want this to be? She always talks about how in the morning she has a cup of coffee, right? She calls it, you know, she has a little, little bit of coffee in a mug and she calls it, her cup of joy or her cup of comfort or her cup of hope, whatever that is that she needs for that to get her through that day. That's what she thinks about in the morning when she's drinking her coffee. So then we had a mug, I think in one of the, the, the initial episodes and it just stuck because it also gave her that moment to talk about the what's on the mug, have an inspirational moment, have a funny moment, have a Jennifer moment. It's not something that's scripted. It literally says mug. What do you want to talk about? So it's it's her thing. And now people send us mugs. We have like a whole, if you could see, we have a, a mug wall that we're building because we have so many mugs that we get and so many mugs. Like this is a personal story. I'm at Home Goods this weekend. I see mugs. I'm just grabbing mugs. I go into meetings. It's like, I've got mugs. And we figure out which ones she likes. And those are the ones we use. And it helps us, it helps us uh, tell a story at the top of the show. I love that. It's like, it's one of my favorite, like you said, just joyous. It's just like so simple, but so amazing. Yes. Um, so I'm going to get to some questions for everyone. And so uh, my question for everyone and Shine Yaron go first, what is your dream segment that you'd like to do or dream guest you'd like to have or like what is something you haven't done but you know you're hoping to do it I think we just did my dream segment mugs be honest no oh. as far as like what we what we shot my dream segment oh. is Patty LaBelle like I've oh. always been a huge fan of Patty LaBelle giving her like just sitting with her and just letting her talk. And we did a whole a whole Patty episode. It wasn't just a segment. It was like, Patty, you're here as long as you wanna be here. As, as much as you wanna say, that's what we're gonna do. And it was amazing because got to meet her, spend the day with her. It was just one of those moments that I'll always remember. And it's one of those bucket list items that I, that I was able to check off. So I feel like even in the first season, we pretty much exceeded what, you know, exceeded my, I guess my, what I would want for a guest. Now it's like, I think the next would be like maybe Diana Ross. You know, I think it's up there. Like I love the legacy, the legacy talent. Love it. John, what about you? Um, uh, so the Oracle Oprah, it's become like our one woman focus group. Uh, she literally texts Sherry uh, multiple times throughout the week with feedback on our shows and she sends audio files. And so she has committed to coming on our show. We're just trying to figure out the right time when. And so her coming through the door, it's just everything with Oprah is an event. So I'm excited for that one. I'm also really interested. I want Trevor Noah to come on the show. Uh, it's no secret that Sherry has a crush on him. Uh, and I went with her when she did The Daily Show. Uh, and he was like, you know, we kind of look alike. And I was like, yeah, but you're in a different tax bracket. Uh, but he was so nice and so kind and he's so funny and so smart. Um, I think he'd have a good time with us on the couch. So those are two people that I'm really excited about. And as far as like segments, you know, um, I feel like we're doing everything right now that really excites me. And, you know, maybe when we embark on season two, there'll be some new segments or something that, you know, I'd love to see Sherry do some field pieces. I know she wants to do more with Kim Whitley, her one of her BFFs. And some package pieces, some very Laverne and Shirley type of stuff. But uh, those are the two guests for sure I'd like to see come through the doors. Okay, and Kiana? Yeah, so we have had a jam-packed season so far. So we've gotten a lot of um, 
of my faves. So we uh, did a whole uh, hour on the road um, with Usher uh, for his Vegas residency. Um, so that was great. Michelle Obama in Philly. Um, we had Miss Dionne Warwick um, on um, recently. And then my personal favorite, uh, Morris Chestnut. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he stopped by. So um, yeah, that was... <laughs> I took a picture with him and um, my mom was like, you never leave a control room. And I was like, well, this was important. So, uh, because <laughs> uh, everybody knows, you know, with um, working at GMA and going to the Oscars and things like that, um, you know, uh, I've met quite a few people. So if I leave the control room, it's for a good reason. Um, and then, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see what we get um, you know, for the rest of the season, but um, I can safely say I'm a happy woman after meeting Horace Chestnut. <laughs> That's a good reason to leave the control room. Yeah. That's a very good reason. I me at all. Um, so this is another one for everyone. What's some advice you can give to producers whose goal is to be an executive producer um, to get on that track? Um, John, I'll let you go first. Um, the advice I'd give to them is the advice I give to, to most people in most facets of the entertainment industry. Uh, networking will take you further than your gift ever will. Uh, there are talented people all over this world, unemployed. Uh, but the truth of the matter is if you can work hard and build good relationships, uh, and like Kiana was saying early, don't just have your hand out looking for something. There has to be reciprocity in relationships. You know, check on people during the holidays, learn people's birthdays, log it into your phone. You know, if you're on Facebook, it gives you a reminder of everybody's birthday. And so build organic relationship with people and, um, and, and with an opportunity to just get to know folks and then let them learn your, your skills and your abilities along the way because you will become first of mind when there are opportunities that fit. The truth of the matter is uh, we all know some really talented people that are out of work, that are unemployed or are doing something that doesn't fulfill them because the truth of the matter is uh, sometimes the trajectory for success can be more challenging for people of color in this business. And so I say network in, in the most healthy way, build organic relationships with people and be kind because your reputation will carry you further than your skill ever will. And then so I would true. say, yeah. you know, um, once you have that network, blow them away with your skills <laughs> because um, at the end of the day, if you can't do the job that you get, <laughs> you won't stay there. So um, I find that the more you know how to do, the best, you know, the better it is. So, um, and for instance, like, um, you know, I uh, grew up in local news. Um, and uh, before that, I actually was on air. I was a reporter. Um, you know, I don't like that now, but, um, but, uh, I say all that to say I've, you know, been on an assignment desk. I've, you know, um, you know, been a one woman band in, you know, shooting my own video and doing interviews and writing and, you know, um, doing every facet so that when I'm asking people to do something, I'm not asking them about something that I don't know about. People respect you when you can say, hey, go and do this interview or you can cut this tape in 30 minutes. It's not going to take you two days. <laughs> you know, like they will respect you when you know um, what you are talking about. And so the more you know how to do and especially now, I mean, everyone's, you know, expected to be some sort of you know, producer slash editor, um, you know, no matter if you're working in daytime news, podcasts, you know, whatever. Um, so the more you know, um, not to take an NBC phrase, but um, the more you know, um, the better. Um, so just to build off of what John was saying. Shani? Definitely. I have to agree with everything they've said, um, especially being nice to people. I will tell you this quick story. One of my first EP titles shows, I walked it, I was up for a show, walked into the room to meet with execs. Um, they said, okay, we're going to start in a few minutes as soon as, you know, um, Chris gets here. So I'm like, okay, Chris walks in. I'm like, Chris looks real familiar. Chris sits down, starts telling me how happy he is to see me. I'm like, who is Chris? He says, I was your intern a while ago. 
on this show and it was a and talk shows are hard talk shows will make or break you he said I was your intern and I remember how nice you were to me and so that right there everyone else was like oh well she's good I mean of course you know I had the experience but it was just like he was my intern years ago so I think that right there we've always said it but that's an example and it's it is hard sometimes for us to get to that EP level and it was like you were nice to me. I'm vouching for you. You're in, you're good. Let's go. So that was, I love telling that story. Um, but also even when you're networking, what Kiana said, when you're networking and you meet people, I've made some great relationships being on zoom and noticing that something's up with Kiana after this is done, I'm going to email her and say, you good. You want to go get a drink? I don't want, I don't want anything from her. I'm just saying, is everything okay? Do you want to meet after this? And I've that's that's worked for me. And also I have people who reach out to me who say, hey, here's my updated resume. Congratulations on your new show. Um, and then another point is make sure you let people know what you want. So it's not just, okay, I've been a producer, but now I'm ready to be a supervising producer. So if you know of anything that comes up, would you please refer me or would you, it's that whole thing. So I can help you get to that next level. If you don't want to be a producer forever, just let me know that. Um, and then the last thing I'll say real quick is making sure that you do know what everyone else does, I guess, as far as like your production. So there, and we run a, a tight ship here. There have been times when I've had to produce, <laughs> jump in and into FileMaker and do a script but I've seen EPs in the past that I've worked for who were like, oh, I'm an EP. I don't have to, I don't have to learn these things. It's like, you got to stay up to date with what's going on so that you can keep up with the APs and the producers so that if something happens, you can jump in and say, okay, let me help. Let me make sure we succeed. Um, there's, there's times like that when, when it just happens, especially on a first season show. Hey, Benita, I have to emphasize something Shawnee said, yeah, and it's, it's becoming a through line of what we're talking about, this be nice to people. A yeah. quick story. So this is my second deal that I've had with our syndication company, Deadmar Mercury. I was attached to a show that they were developing that they ultimately couldn't sell back in 2017. And so when we were doing a series of chemistry tests with a variety of talent, um, the PA assigned to me, um, I did not know at the time, was the daughter of the executive vice president of the network. And so after uh, we were all said and done, she came to me and said, thank you for being nice to my daughter. She said she had the best time working with you. You were so easy, so nice. And all you ever wanted to eat was salads from Panera Bread. And so that could have been one of those situations where I came in as a very entitled personality and I could have been snappy and nasty to I thought somebody who I thought was just here to run and get coffee and stuff. But I actually was kind to her and genuinely engaged her in her story. The only thing she didn't tell me was her mama was the boss. And so, you know, her daughter actually was in our building uh, just on Tuesday. When I saw her, I said, weren't you my intern? The executive vice president had forgot that story. And so her daughter was like, yes, and you were so kind to me. And all you wanted was salads from Panera Bread. So when we say be kind to people, listen, if you can't learn anything else from this business, if, if you're a nasty person, you better practice being kind. Because I promise you, we live in a time in this business where people just don't want to work with difficult, nasty folks. Like, there's just not space for that anymore. And I, I agree. And I think, too, um, you know, the um, people in this business will try to make you think that being nice is being weak. Mm -hmm. And it is not true. I refuse, refuse to change who I am because people think that you're supposed to be rude, mean, you know, once you get to a certain level. No, do not change who you are. People, um, stay true to who you are, and being nice will take you a long way. Gone are the days where you have to be, I won't, you know, <laughs> use bad language, but gone are the days where you have to be um, some movie character <laughs> um, and going through the newsroom or going through the studio. Um, you know, people will try to make you think that being kind is weak, and it is not. I agree with you 100%. We have a lot of questions. Um, a couple people have asked the same question in different iterations. Um, 
it's a kind of a PR question. Basically, it's um, when your team receives a tailored pitch from PR professionals, what specifically would you say are the elements um, to make one, a pitch successful? So we've gotten a couple of versions of basically how do we pitch to shows to get segments to get you guys to do segments on them? Know, know, know your, your customer. Mm -hmm. um, know the show. Don't make it generic. You know, don't send a blanket pitch to every one of us, right? Know that, you know, Tamron Hall does a mix of celebrity and human interest. So um, know that um, when we do do celebrities, that if there is, you know, something going on, um, that we're going to ask about it. This is not just a press junket. <laughs> um, know, know who you're, you know, trying to get on. Have you seen a story similar to that on our show? Or would that be better, you know, suited for, uh, you know, a, a different show or local news or, you know, because there is, you know, um, some things don't work on the national level. Um, you know, uh, so really, this is about doing your homework on the show and the talent um, and, and finding that good fit. That's great. Uh, someone else. Oh, sorry, I would say, yeah, I get pitches a lot. <laughs> and some of the pitches really are just blanket, just like, here's my, here's my, you know, talent. And I want them to come on your show and they'll send you know, a reel or something, which is great, but it's like, no, how does your talent fit with Jennifer specifically? How do she fit? How does your talent fit with Jennifer, you know, versus, you know, another show, which they could also do, but it's just like, come to me with, this is my talent. This is why she would relate to Jennifer. This is why she relates to the audience. This is why there would be interest. And then also pitch me segments. Let me know what those segments look like. The best pitches that I get are from, you know, I see like, okay, I have 10 ideas of what my talent can do with your show based on what I've seen so far. Here's a breakdown. And I'm like, oh, you've produced this. This is great. Not only have that, it also lets me know that you understand the business and what we do, and we're gonna work well together because we can collaborate. Um, I, would, I would add to that that we're in uh, show business. It's the business of a TV show. And so this ain't the homeboy hookup network. So just because we're friends and you want to have your big break, these national and sometimes international with YouTube uh, uh, talk shows are not necessarily the place for you to do it. You know, uh, I'm dealing with a lot of that right now. I I'm someone who enjoys the art of connection. And, you know, uh, now I answer my phone with trepidation because folks that I think are just calling to check on me are calling because everybody has an angle. Uh, but, and, and, and to that point, I would say, uh, pitch the right people. You know, you don't start at the top when trying to pitch somebody for this show. We have talent departments. We have uh, lifestyle teams. We have people who specialize in the areas that you're pitching. And so if you want to show me a PR person's weight you know, if they're worth their weight in this business, if you're coming directly to me to pitch something that I know that and you don't know the, the two people at my show who are running the talent department and the people working under them, then I'm looking at you as an amateur because anybody who's been in this business, who's had success pitching various shows has at least uh, encountered my head of talent uh, at one of the six to 10 shows she's worked on. And so, you know, it's all about research. I know we live in a microwave society where people want to put in 60 seconds and voila, but you've got to do a little homework to, to be the best professional. And there's an art to pitching. And unfortunately, just, and oh, succinct. Like these long dossiers. And uh, I mean, I had literally just read an inbox LinkedIn message from a lady with a pitch. And by the third paragraph, I had checked out. Like, and I just counted because I knew we were having this conversation tonight. It was 15 paragraphs in her pitch. I don't know who has that amount of time to write a pitch that long, but that's somebody who clearly isn't on TV because she's too busy sending emails about TV, so. I respect that. Um, so uh, a couple of questions are how, to, and I'll just kind of, I'm kind of lumping them together because I never run out of time. Um, one person says, I'm a producer and a booker. Are there any programs available to someone who works in network TV currently but wants to move over to talk show programming. Kiana, I'm gonna send that over to you because I know that you're, you know, with ABC and 
they have a law program? Yeah, so I mean, I think um, going to um, our website, so there are two different things. So yes, there are tons of, um, of cross opportunities out there. Um, it's just a matter of timing. So right now, for instance, we don't have anything um, on our show. You know, um, typically you're not gonna find anything mid season, but um, you know, once um, the seasons are over, people, uh, we typically go on hiatus in the summer, you know, um, there is that option to ask people back or, or not. And so then that's when those openings tend to come up. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that they don't come up, you know, every once in a while, but typically those are when the openings happen. Um, and so um, this was new for me coming from news. I didn't know about the website Staff Me Up. <laughs> um, I, I had no idea that that was a thing, uh, but it is. And so most most of those entertainment job postings um, happen at staffmeup.com. But, um, but also um, for uh, ABC openings, you can also go to, to Disney as well. And then for um, one other question was from a college student about just getting their foot in the door, starting their career in daytime TV. How would they do that? Um, Shawnee, you want to go for that one? I don't I always got thought that there were internships, right? I don't know if people for some reason think they don't need they don't need to intern anymore, but they do. So I feel like that's one way, especially if you're a college student or you've just graduated, you're about to graduate. All shows are looking for interns. We want interns. We want to train you so that when we have an opening, we can hire you as a PA and we can then, you know, hire you as an AP. So that's definitely how I would say it's like get in it, you know try to get in as an intern. Um, that's probably the, the best advice I can give right now. Yeah, intern, interning is, listen, interning got me to where I am. It was my launching pad in the business. Uh, and at the Sherry Show, our, our parent company, Lionsgate, uh, they pay, we pay our interns. And um, there have been interns that have worked through the Lionsgate system on various shows that they've had that have gone on to do really well. Uh, Gia Peppers, a uh, really popular personality, a regular on the Today Show and a mm -hmm. social media influencer came from the Lionsgate internship program. And Emily Azroko, who is uh, the New York uh, bureau manager for Access Hollywood, all interned uh, for Lionsgate in one of their uh, capacities. So internships can really set you on the pathway to success because uh, like Shani was saying, it, it puts you inside. You it, People can see how great you are. Uh, and if you can get an internship like with a company like ours that actually pays you, you know, you can also go get your Starbucks and stuff after you run to get mine. Nah. Um, now That's they have to Our interns do way more than getting Starbucks, by the way. I get that. Um, so a couple of, someone's asking how important um, are websites like LinkedIn? And um, I'll add that to someone else, which was can they send a 90 second pitch um, for like a job or even, I guess, for stories? do I guess video pitches work are they a thing um Kiana want to go for that one sure um yeah video pitches are great and they will definitely stand out um and I think any sort of um networking opportunity is a good one so LinkedIn um you know Instagram um I personally I, Instagram is my private thing. I don't, I don't uh, go for um, business on Instagram, but um, some people do. Um, so, you know, again, it's knowing your audience, but, um, but yeah, I think trying to connect in as many ways as possible um, is the, the way to go. Good. Um, someone's asking, and I feel like I can answer this, so I'm going to let you guys do it. Is it possible to start a career in New York in television production? If yes, where and how? I'll say I was the NBC page. I started my career in New York, so there are programs. Um, but I, I'll let you, you go for or uh, Oh, Shawnee, since you know, I just went to you. So you want to talk about starting well, your career in, in New York or if it's a possible thing to do? 
Well, Shani, I know, is in L.A. I'm in L.A. So. <laughs> you're in L.A., yeah. Yo, I'm in you're right. I forgot. It's but... also New York, your background. But yes, counting. thank you. And listen, interning is starting a career. So if you can get a good internship in New York City, you just started your career. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm looking yeah. through some of these questions. And I, and I will, oh, you know, say... Um, no matter if you start your career, um, you know, in a big city like New York or LA, um, that um, setting the expectations of how fast your career progresses. Um, I think, you know, being realistic on those expectations, um, you know, I was able to move, um, move up pretty quickly because of all of the years of experience that I had in local news, um, you know, so it wasn't like I became an executive producer overnight. Um, I interned every single summer um, during college. One summer I had two internships, uh, you know, and then um, I worked my butt off, you know, in local news. And then when I did finally get to New York working for Good Morning America, those hours, um, you know, I put in the work and I was not making a lot of money. <laughs> I, you know, don't know how I survived in New York, um, uh, of, you know, with the salary I was making, um, ramen noodles, <laughs> And waking up at 3.45 in the morning, you know, and working until 10 o'clock at night, um, you know, it was, it was a grind and I put in the work um, and, you know, it wasn't until uh, six years after I left Good Morning America that I became an executive producer. So I think, you know, you will do yourself a lot of service by being realistic about, you know, the trajectory that, you know, um, you know, for your career. Got it. Um, we are coming up, we have about three minutes left. So I'm going to um, ask a question that I think most people want to know, which is how do we get tickets to your shows? Like, is there a website? Can you put it in the chat? And also how can we stay in touch? Do you guys have Twitters that we can follow or you know, LinkedIn or any of that stuff that you don't mind sharing. So everyone can get in touch with you if they didn't get a chance to get their questions uh, answered. Maybe they can, you know, hit you up on uh, Twitter or LinkedIn or, or something like that. Um, there are lots of, yeah, get into the question. I think we hit most of the big ones. Lots of people had, how do we get onto your show or how do we get people onto your show? Um, someone said, can you only be an intern or a PA? Um, question, does age matter? Um, if you're being a, a PA or an intern and for my, well, for, for, I know with our show to be an intern, you have to be able to get college credit. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the PA situation, listen, ageism, is it something that I've been to at all? I think if you are able to do the work, you know, I did, um, ABC, good morning America actually really did a remarkable story on this woman who, uh, as a woman of a particular age, I want to say she was in her mid fifties, decided she wanted to be a news anchor and they followed her journey of her living her dream and, and how she, you know, was starting over and how ambitious it was, um, but ultimately is currently living her dream. So I think anything that you set your mind out to, uh, you can do it. Um, uh, for our show, I dropped the, the website you can get tickets, uh, uh, you know, and we'd love to see you. And I'm on all social media platforms, but just like Kiana, my Instagram is kind of personal to me. Like it's an open page, but in my bio, it says, do not slide in my DM with pitches because I just, I just don't want them there. Like if, if, if you're a real professional and you have a professional pitch for me, you will find the most professional way to get in touch with me. Uh, and, or like I said before, get in touch with the person that you should be actually pitching your respective idea or person to. So that any final thoughts before we hit our eight o'clock uh, time slot here, Kiana, Shani? I was going to say LinkedIn is the best way to reach me. Do not, yeah, not, not Instagram. Please don't ask for my email via Instagram. Just go to, to LinkedIn because I do save those messages. And that, therefore I know, you know, if you're sending me your resume, if you want to have an informational, you know, conversation, I'm open to those as well. I, I love talking about the industry and how I got started and giving advice. So that's the best place to find me, LinkedIn. Kiana, 
I second that. Um, LinkedIn, TamaronHallShow.com. Uh, and I think she's listening here, but Adrian Lopez uh, is um, one of our uh, senior bookers, and uh, she is someone who can get you on the show. She's also someone that I love dearly, Kiana. Oh my gosh, and I've heard about Adrian for years. We haven't met yet, but hi, Adrian. She's like she's like the she's like the deputy mayor of New York City and Martha. She knows Bay. everyone. Yes. And Benita, can I say this for final words? Um, oh yes, final words. You know, um, I lost my train of thought talking about Adrian Lopez. Uh, never mind. <laughs> all good. All good. We hit eight o'clock. Thank you guys so 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 much. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it at NYABJ. A special thanks to our panelists. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give the sidebar a great review. A reminder that the opinions discussed on the podcast belong solely to the individual and do not reflect the views of the New York Association of Black Journalists. For more information on NYABJ, please visit our website at www.nyabj.org. Music is by Holizna Raps. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode of The Sidebar. On Monday, June 19, 2023, the NYABJ proudly presents our second annual Juneteenth Gala and Awards Ceremony at The Water Club, located at 500 East 30th Street, Manhattan, New York. Won't you come and enjoy a memorable evening of good food and fabulous company? Hosted by today's show co-host and news anchor Craig Melvin and by CBS news anchor and national correspondent Michelle Miller. Tickets available now at nyabj.org. That's Monday, June 19th, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Water Club. Go to nyabj.org to get your tickets now.